welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, July 8, 2018 by Vicar Isaac Hayes on the basis of Mark 6, verses 1 through 6. 5 billion, 268 million, 725,952. 3 billion, 167 million, 253,541. What do these numbers mean? Well, these numbers are the number of views of the two most popular YouTube music videos. Yeah, quite the numbers, right? And two other stats I bumped into were well, around 5 billion videos are watched per day, but around 20% of users will leave the video if it hasn't hooked them in the first 10 seconds. Quite the competition for eyes, right? All these videos have to appease people in some way, whether with flashy videos or catchy music or prank videos, people's pain, cute cat and baby videos. Some will do whatever it takes just to get attention and status. And this is a general principle that is at play in this world we live in. Many companies have so many things to take attention to they have to compete for our attention, doing whatever it takes to attract attention and get people to look. Numbers are key to survival. Numbers translate to dollars, and dollars translate to success. Enticing principles, right? Well, this month, we're celebrating our fifth anniversary as a church. And today, we're going to ask the question, how do we measure if we've been successful as a church? We might be tempted to follow such principles and do whatever it takes to attract attention when it comes to the gospel. But as we look at these verses from Mark today, Jesus will show us that the competition for eyes and the priority of results isn't the aim. Rather, it's the task of proclaiming the gospel. Now, the gospel doesn't always please crowds, but it does always save souls. The gospel is a soul thing, not an eye thing. And speaking of crowds, crowds had surrounded Jesus and received his message and his miracles. And he had raised Jairus' daughter from death. But now, Jesus moves from this area to go to his hometown, Nazareth, along with his disciples. Should be good, right? Well, it seems so. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. And many of those who went to the synagogue and heard Jesus were amazed. And they asked, where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Well, so far, so good for Jesus, right? I mean, many people pointing, open jaws out of amazement. Maybe the disciples kind of nodding their heads, smiling inwardly, being proud, looking at the crowds and seeing their teacher, the Messiah, spewing out such wisdom and truth. But that quickly dissipates as they kind of look around and see others scrunching their faces in confusion. And maybe some kind of squinting to get a double take at Jesus. And then they're starting to overhear some chatter. Wait, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? 
and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Then they took offense at him. Think of all the commotion that began to ensue in that synagogue. All the scattered chatter, all the fierce pointing, all the faces forming in such a threatening manner. Just imagine how the disciples are feeling, how nervous they are. And meanwhile, Jesus is just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. They were repelled by Jesus. But why? They were just amazed at Jesus. Well, think of their amazement as a shock of cold water. Overwhelmed, shocked at first, but pretty quickly things begin to normalize and they get over it. The shock is gone. Same with the crowd. Overwhelmed and shocked with Jesus at first, but when things began to normalize and the shock gone, they saw the Jesus they knew. Christ the Messiah and Christ Mary's son couldn't be reconciled in their hearts and minds. They simply refused to believe Jesus and his message. How? Jesus and his disciples had just moved from an area of positive reception and welcoming and where the rubber was just starting to hit the road. But now, here in his own hometown, it's the total opposite. Straight up opposition to Jesus and his gospel. The disciples must have been flabbergasted at what was happening and wondering, are we doing something wrong here? Something's wrong. Is Jesus actually doing something wrong here? What about you and I? Sometimes we might experience the same thing as Jesus and his disciples. I mean, look at the kids. I mean, we look at the kids when they were very young and how they were so excited to come to church and come to Sunday school. But when they get older, and as they've, getting older, as they've gotten older, they're beginning to complain. Complain and lose interest. And then you're worrying and wondering about what's going to happen when they're out on their own. Or maybe you try to invite your spouse week after week and the reaction ranges from a polite, no thanks, honey, to just straight-up annoyance. The reaction ranges. Or just maybe you've tried to invite someone to church, or you've tried to share your faith in the break room. You know, you've maybe you've had a reaction where it was, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll check it out. Or probably more of a reaction of, um, not my thing. Let's not talk about this. And maybe you've experienced a change in relationship because of that. What about us as a church? It's been five years. Five years. We can count all the blessings, all the kinds of blessings, but why aren't there more? Out of all the doors we've knocked on, how many and what percentage have translated into people coming, visiting, attending or just taking a peek at our church. I mean, sure, we've grown, but why aren't we bigger? What should we do? What do we do? Is this really working? 
is this gospel stuff really working? It's incredible, and it's crazy to think that despite Jesus having all this success and all the positive reception in some areas, that Jesus himself was rejected, and his gospel was rejected. If Jesus, the almighty Savior, was rejected, then what are we to do? What are we as individuals and as a church to do? Now, Jesus just showed us that the gospel doesn't always please crowds. But now, now he's going to show us that there's something more, eternally more important than what meets the eyes, and that the gospel always does. The gospel does always save souls. The gospel's a soul thing. It's not an eye thing. So what did Jesus do? What did he do when the people of Nazareth rejected him and took offense at him? He had to rethink things through, right? Oh, maybe had to kind of change his message a little bit just so he could get his hometown back on his side, right? Nope. Nope. Jesus was okay. He was okay with the rejection and the disappointment. And he said, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. Jesus saying this demonstrates that he wasn't going to let their rejection discourage him or cause him to alter his message. He was willing to face the rejection, to be rejected. He was willing to face that disappointment because he had to continue to preach what was necessary, that saving gospel. So if Jesus, if he didn't alter his message just to get his hometown back on his side, well, he must have done some eye-catching miracles to kind of woo him a little bit, right? Nope. Nope. Mark tells us that Jesus couldn't do any miracles there. Jesus couldn't do any miracles there. Couldn't do any miracles. Wait, did Jesus turn his divine power button off? Was it actually impossible for Jesus to do any sort of miracle there? No, no. That's not what is meant by that. It's not that Jesus was incapable of performing a miracle there. It's just that there would be no benefit to him, his disciples, and especially to the people of Nazareth if he did. The people would be offended all the more it would turn out to be more of a stumbling block for them. The people of Nazareth were cold and not receptive. Not for who he was, not for what he could do, and not for his message. Jesus' miracles were performed to confirm who he was and his message. But miracles? Miracles won't convince the unconvinced. Then, Then we're told that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus was disturbed. Jesus was disturbed by their unbelief. Now, although it's a bit sad to hear this, this is a very critical critical detail to notice. This showed Jesus' primary concern, his priority. He was concerned with unbelief. Unbelief. Not an image. Not how he presented the gospel. Jesus' Jesus's concern was a soul thing. 
Not an eye thing. Jesus was concerned about souls, not a crowd. And this is why he did what he did as he went around teaching from village to village. And notice, Mark doesn't even mention what happened at those villages. That's not important. The task, the task is what's important. The task of sharing the gospel. Jesus clearly demonstrates that the gospel must still be shared despite the opposition, despite the disappointment, and that the truth of the gospel must be kept pure and uncompromised. Pure and uncompromised. So what about us? I mean, it's definitely enticing and incredibly easier to just alter and water down the gospel message to people's pleasure and fall into their grace. Or even better, just avoid all the hard, all the difficult conversations just to make everyone's lives easier, happier, and less conflictive. All of a sudden, a focus on compromising the gospel truth for the sake of people sounds a ton more productive than focusing on the purity of the gospel truth. But we'd never do such things, right? Well, we might be tempted. We might be tempted to give up when things aren't going as we'd prefer to. Might even say things like, um, Let's forget this neighborhood. I mean, every door I've been to so far has shut their door in my face, so forget about them. Or we might even be tempted to just give in, to appease people, and just, just do whatever just to get the ball moving with results. <laughs> oh, I heard this church is doing this cool new thing. Now, it's not all that scriptural, but boy, does it get people in the doors. And we might be tempted to get discouraged when the gospel is a disappointment or it doesn't seem to work. It's been five years. Five years. Shouldn't we be more than a full house by now? What's taking so long for us to get that church building? What's taking so long? That's when things will get rolling. This space, this space is holding us back. We might be tempted to do and say such things, but let's be honest. We've done and we've said such things. We become people pleasers rather than confessors to the truth. The gospel doesn't make any sense to us sometimes when disappointment smacks us right in the face. Someone will cringe when you say anything about Jesus. But it's all kumbaya when you say what people want to hear and do what people want you to do. Each of us loses that same focus and concern Jesus had. Jesus had that concern and focus for souls and the task of sharing the gospel. But thankfully, thank God, thank God we won't be judged by our performance or results, but rather we will be judged by the perfect performance and results that Jesus carried out as our substitute. The gospel, the gospel doesn't rely on us. It doesn't rely on us, what we do, what we try to do to make it work better. No, the gospel completely relies on Jesus and his perfect performance and results from his perfect life, his cross and his resurrection, 
all parading in absolute victory for us. Whether people listen or not, or whatever their preferences may be, the gospel must be shared. Everyone must hear what Jesus has done for them. Our goal, our goal isn't to put butts into the seats of church and compete for eyes. The gospel doesn't work that way. Our goal is to put those butts into contact with the pure, saving gospel. The gospel will accomplish its task of saving souls no matter the opposition, no matter the disappointment. (laughs) And God's word, God's word does not return to him empty. So don't empty or fluff his word. Have confidence. Have confidence in God's saving gospel and God's saving grace. The gospel is a soul thing, not an eye thing. Now, it's incredible to see all the numbers and all the statistics about YouTube, all the eyes, myriad of interest, creativity, cultures, and so much more. But even with such numbers, they're all just temporary and will vanish. They're nothing in the end. They're all just eye things. But from what Jesus has taught us today, we've got something more than an eye thing. We've got the gospel, a soul thing. Something that stretches into eternity. Stretches into eternity and looking at Jesus, yes, it doesn't always please crowds, but boy, does it always save souls. That is what Jesus came to do. That is what we are to share. And it's such a comfort, such a comfort to know that we can share the gospel in its pure, saving truth without having to do anything snazzy or dazzling. No. The gospel is enough. It was enough for Jesus, and it's enough for us. And yes, there will be opposition. There will be pressure. There will be disappointment. But just like Jesus... We can forge ahead sharing the gospel, knowing full well that nothing, nothing will stand in the way of God's saving grace. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.